Welcome to the Speakernomics Podcast, the official podcast of the National Speakers Association. I'm your host, Robert Kennedy III, RK3. That's me. Speakernomics is the show where we flow and go and help you to know how to grow a thriving speaking business. Why? So you can change the world. Of course. Join me for the journey, will you? Now, what do you get when you multiply a rectangle times 12? Well, these days, you get a virtual meeting. <laughs> and as speakers, it's become a part of what we do. But it's not the same, is it? The virtual stage isn't the same as the one you get to walk across and point out people in the audience. It's, it's different. You just don't get the same feel. You can't do the same things. It's just not as engaging. Or is it? Well, our guest today is an illustrious ace of engagement, and his virtual meetings are his stage. John Chen, welcome to the show, my friend. How are you doing today? What's up? <laughs> RK3, this is John Chen reporting in from the NSA Northwest here in Seattle, Washington. That is fantastic. I got to get out to the NSA Northwest. Now you're already making me jealous right from the beginning. <laughs> Good. Well, listen, we're glad that you're here. So fantastic. Before we get to 10 with John Chen, I just want to remind you to hop on over to the Speakernomics voicemail box. Every week we ask a question and we like to play your answers on the show or just hear from you in general. So head on over to Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. That's Speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. Listen out for today's question just a little bit later. And then head on over to the link with your computer or your mobile device. Speakonomics.com forward slash voicemail. Let your voice be heard. John, so you've got some engagement secrets that I know you're busting to share. But since this isn't Pokemon and we can't catch them all, what's the one big secret that we should remember before we even get started? All right, Robert, you know, the number one challenge still on virtual is engagement. So my key tip here is if you want engagement, Engage, find a way to engage your audience, have a plan to engage with every single member before the end of your keynote. Wow, fantastic. I'm excited about this. Let's get into this. Our guest today, John Chen, is a screen juggler. Oh, we've got to see that in person. <laughs> a thought leader, the author of Engaging Virtual Meetings and 50 Digital Team Building Games. He's a designer, a producer, an MC, and he's a paid karaoke jockey. John, what? you got to tell us about that. What, what, what does a paid karaoke jockey do? So you know how there's a DJ, right? A disc jockey. Yeah. Karaoke has KJs or karaoke jockeys, and that's the person who runs karaoke. So on the side, when I'm not speaking or facilitating, I'm a big karaoke fan. I've actually run something called Engaging Virtual Karaoke every Saturday night from <laughs> 7 to 10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. We have over 150 episodes, and I learned all these skills that a karaoke jockey has, That and people now pay me to do it. Wow. So speakers, if you are looking for another stream of income, if you're looking for something else to do with your skills, <laughs> become a paid karaoke jockey and John Chen can teach you just how to do that. <laughs> so listen, John, we've had a lot of experience, I would say, over the last three plus years. Before the pandemic, we had virtual meetings, but it wasn't as popular. We didn't hear about it as much. It wasn't that big of a deal. But now, my gosh, 
it's here to stay. Is there something that changed? What changed from before to the pandemic to now, you know, that people need to be aware of? Well, you know, it's funny, uh, RK3, is that I'm like the best 37-year overnight success you ever met. That's and right. here's the reason why I'm saying that. I've been meeting online for over 37 years, I was on a service called Prodigy. For those who don't know what that is, it was prior to America Online. It was the first graphical-based meeting space online. So for decades, we were experimented with all these ideas and that we were trying to tell people, you could do this, you could do meaningful work, right? Save the travel expenses, have dinner with your family and friends at the end of the day. And everyone prior to March of 2020 said, that's a great idea, John, but here's a bunch of cash and you need to fly to Orlando. <laughs> and then of course right the thing that happened is uh, march of 2020 right march of 2020 while coronavirus wasn't necessarily the greatest thing that happened it was the greatest thing to happen for virtual because everyone had to now do it yeah now everybody at least knows it exists and that it is possible and that's what's changed the landscape so much wow so you've got a lot of people that they had to do it in march of 2020 and now we're back on stages, right? Why should I still continue to consider virtual meetings at this point when the world is open? Well, what I love to say is that your virtual meeting can be better than your in-person meeting, right? Can be as good as, or sometimes better. Yeah. And here's the reason why is that you know, a hybrid is actually, I just calculated, I, I did 128% more hybrid than last year. So hybrid is something for you as a speaker, you really need to think about. And as a speaker, you have to change or shift some things to pay attention to both the in-person and virtual audience. Right. And so why is virtual so important? In person, right, there is no better way to capture the energy of the audience than in person. And in virtual, you can get the reach in a lot of the hybrid programs that I have spoken at or, or worked on, we have doubled mm -hmm. from 50% to 100% more of the audience by offering virtual. And I think that's why you got to pay attention. Isn't that a lot more challenging to operate, though? Because I th one of the pieces of pushback that we get from, you know, maybe meeting planners or people who are organizing meetings is OMG. We've got to set up cameras and we've got to be considerate of audiovisual and so many more things. That's why we don't want to do hybrid meetings. Is there something that you can say that would ease their minds or make this easier for people? Well, one is, I, you know, the, the best part to work with people is first agree with them. You know, they're right. You need to do some of this. Yeah. And now we have more experience in it. So I think every valid meeting planner now has at least experience in dealing with it. Uh, something I invented on my side is something called hybrid in a box. Yeah. I have developed a box that fits in an SUV. I can roll it in and actually produce something hybrid within 30 minutes of rolling inside the door. So I think it is right that it does take a little bit more, but it doesn't take that much more. Mm -hmm. And if you take that much more and double the size of the audience or provide information and networking to people who would not normally get it, I think those are the reasons why it is important enough to do. Wow. So talk to us about how we as speakers can show up in a more effective way in a virtual meeting, because you know, we've heard about you get on the virtual meetings, you deliver, you've got your slides, maybe you throw in a poll or there's the chat. But is there more? What else can we be doing? 
Well, in a hybrid, we just recently coached all the speakers for something called Learnapalooza. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it is the top conference in innovation and disruption in learning and development. And we ran three simultaneous breakout rooms in hybrid. And they were all high production hybrid. Each room had three cameras. So here were the three things that we really shared with the speakers. Number one, acknowledge the virtual audience first. Mm-hmm. Right? Right in the opening. And we want to say hi to our virtual audience. Second of all, take the first question from virtual. So in our virtual we can actually bring someone on camera if their camera is on and they can ask the question to, to the speaker on screen. Right. And that's really something that most people, virtual attendees, haven't seen. And then the last one is make sure that every person talking uses a microphone. Mm-hmm. Unless you have very expensive room mics, which is an array that can listen to the whole room, just wait and really, as a speaker, help enforce and tell the person, could you please just wait until a microphone comes or, if you're the speaker, repeat the question. Yeah. And I think if you do that, then we just recently got the comment, multiple people said, this is the best hybrid I have ever attended. Nice. So let's talk about just the straight virtual, because a lot of speakers now are also advertising or marketing themselves as certified virtual presenters and they're doing virtual meetings. What are some things that speakers can be doing to make their virtual meetings more effective? Well, on the non-tech side, I actually just beamed in from NSA, Illinois. I want to give a shout out to Dean Hefta. And he invited me to come and speak to the chapter. And we did a program called How to Improve Your Next Virtual Keynote with no additional technology. Mm. There are many things that we can do as speakers. And the inspiration from this talk came from Elizabeth Gilbert. Do you remember Elizabeth Gilbert? She was the author of a book called Eat, Pray, Love. Okay, you know, I was thinking of Melissa Gilbert. I thought of Little House on the Prairie. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Elizabeth Gilbert sold 16 million books and then had Julia Roberts play her in the movie called Eat, Pray, Love. Love And the reason why I'm telling you this, she had what I feel like is the best virtual keynote in the last three years. Mm -hmm. And it was so good that eventually 12 of us, 12 uh, speakers, facilitators, and trainers rewatched her keynote eight times and drew out eight key things out of it. I'll just give you one or two. She's doing these eight things better than most of us as speakers. And there were vulnerability, authenticity, and storytelling. Wow. Those are the things that you can do in virtual. And then like just the fact that I was able to speak to Illinois without having to use any budget, right, means that this opportunity happened. Otherwise, they would have had to fly me and take, you know, we're all NSA members. They would have had to spend a whole bunch of resources to get me out there. Yeah. So I think that's the power of virtual inside of that. And then on the other side, is the technology that if you really master the technology that you can do things that you can't do anywhere else you can't do on stage so for instance when i speak i'm able to change my background to anything that i want it to be to support me to do that on stage costs a lot of money and technology right right? we all saw our good friend at influence who used like 3d you know hologram laser technology to do an astounding keynote and what i'm saying is that that was Cool. It was expensive, but all of us are capable of doing it here on virtual using the existing tools that we have. So let's spend people's money a little bit. Okay. If I want to get better at virtual, let's talk about the tech. What are some things? What is one tool that you would recommend virtual presenter get to make sure that they have in their toolkit or arsenal? 
Well, I'm happy if you have a way to share a resource. I actually have an equipment list that I use that's in the good, better, and best. Mm. But the number one I would say is on the internet. And I can give you my best tip, Robert. Yeah. Mine is if your internet is not good, call your provider and ask for the customer loyalty department. The customer loyalty department. Last time I did this, I got 10 times the internet speed and it cost $20 a month less. Wow. And I have not dropped a video frame since then. Wow. Okay. Uh, I'm writing that down right now. <laughs> customer loyalty. Call them. Excellent. Excellent. So we've got the lighting, we've got camera, we've got audio, you know, those are the basics. Yes. If I am investing in becoming a virtual presenter or making sure that my virtual stage is prime, what should I be looking for? Well, I think your mic would come next, mm -hmm. right? Because I think your audio is even more important than your video. Yeah. So like again, both uh, Robert and I are using high grade microphones and you should be able to hear that vocal quality. Uh, the camera is probably the next thing that would go along with that. And then the lighting, and we actually call this a maven, right? So it's like uh, me, audio, video, internet, and then... Um, Oh, yeah. Network? Yeah, network. Right, network connectivity. And then do them all over again. Yeah. Once you improve that in a circle, then improve it again. And then if you really want to get onto the stage, learn, if you're on Zoom, learn something called PowerPoint as virtual background. Mm -hmm. And the key here, Robert, is less than 1% of all presenters and speakers I see are using this technique of using their background. And the reason why it's so important is because your video is the maximum size possible. So you keep your presence and then right, you can put all your content around you. I use a higher form of it using OBS or open broadcast software. And that allows me to use the full power of PowerPoint, which means that I can now use video, audio, transitions, and other types of things like that. And those are the two things. If you really want to up your game, this is what Bob Behan, he's the VP of virtual experiences at Microsoft. And he said, stop thinking theatrically on virtual. Mm. Start thinking cinematically, and then your virtuals will start to do things that other people haven't seen before. So let's break that down a little bit. What is the difference between thinking theatrically versus cinematically? I think what comes to mind for me is maybe the performance of what you might do on a on a stage. But how do I think cinematically? Yeah. So like thinking theatrically, like says, walk to the front of the stage, walk to the back, you move to the left, move to the right. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't work so much here on virtual, but simple things like, again, uh, I know we're on audio, but if you did gesture to your camera, right, mm -hmm. when you get close to the camera, your hand gets really big. And so those are some things that you can use for you. Here's something else. There's research from something called the Virtual Sapiens Group, which has a tool that uses AI to see how your body language and your audio is doing. And their, their number one research for 2023 says more speakers should use vocal modulation right. inside of their, their speaking to really do things. So it, it would sound like this, right? Something else to think about, Robert, is about how could you use different vocal qualities? So sometimes there's crazy stuff. Then there's Robert going, come on, you're all here on Speakernomics. Yeah. So if you can use a range through that, that range is one of the things too that can add to your speaker performance. I love it. I love it. I think this is super helpful because 
as speakers, we get on stage and we're we're so used to playing off of the emotions or the response of the audience and virtual, you may or may not have that. So let's talk about that from just an energy perspective. As a speaker is on the virtual stage, there are a lot of different camera views. Some people may or may not be on camera. What are some of the things that I can be doing as a virtual presenter to leverage the energy of my virtual audience even better. So in the virtual piece, one thing is uh, if you use video, especially like Zoom, even though you're spotlit as the speaker, Mm -hmm. you can override the view and go back into gallery. Right. So everyone else sees you take up the whole screen, but you can now see up to 50 or more people. And I think that's so important because now you can do things and see their body language. Like when are they shaking their head? When are they agreeing with you? When are they confused, right? When are they hit by like, you know, the story that you're telling? Mm -hmm. So see the audience is something I think that is so important. Now we know there's some opportunities and some cultures which Right. Or some or maybe like government agencies where video is not even possible for whatever reason. And now there are different things that you can use. So chat is also a great one. Let me check this. Robert, have you ever done something called Chatterfall? Chatterfall. I've heard the name, but no. Go ahead. So Chatterfall says this, that we get everyone in chat to write a chat, but do not hit enter. Right. Like I would ask them to raise their hand after they write a chat that answers one of my questions. Then I count to three and I say one, two, three, and everybody hits enter at the same time. And one of the things, if it's done right and people are engaged with you, your chat should blow up. (laughs) And one of the things that it does is, well, tell me how many people are with me and also tells everyone else that. And that's one of the ways to show energy. Here's another one, too. Uh, Robert, have you ever had to present on webinar as opposed to a meeting? Yes. Right. And webinar, you really can't see anyone. But in Zoom's webinar, one of the cool things you can do is if you get people to click reactions like reaction heart or reaction celebration horn or whatever, is that it actually shows it on screen. Mm-hmm. And if you get a lot of people, I've actually had like an 800 person uh, virtual. It will create a stream of emojis on the screen. Wow. And so I'll feed off of that, which is like, all right, everyone, if, you, if you're here with me, that, that was a great thing that that speaker said. Go ahead here and now chit, uh, hit the chat reactions heart. And I'll see like hundreds. And then when people see them, they'll like click the button even more, Robert. Yeah. And it's a way to signify energy in a place where I can't see or hear them. That is fantastic. I've been using Zoom for a long time, and the Chatterfall idea is something that I have not implemented or seen before. So I'm going to definitely use that on one of my upcoming Zoom meetings. This is great, John. So I think as we begin to land our plane here, as you see all of the different speakers or all of the different possibilities for virtual meetings, what is one of the things that you would recommend for, for every speaker to begin doing as they look towards being even more effective on the virtual stage? Well, I think we should do something like this. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. And that's, think about the power of music. You know, there are so few speakers on virtual, right? We use it all the time and in person, yeah. right? You gotta, what's your walk-on song, right? Robert's got a walk-on song. Right? I know he does. What's your walk-on song? It depends on the audience that I am in. If I have no copyright issues, I'm a Will Smith getting jiggy with it person. 
I love it. <laughs> and so, yeah, like in virtual, I play Virtual Insanity by Jamiroquai. Yep. Right? That's my signature virtual keynote song. So the reason why I'm saying this is that what you want to do is borrow the power from all these professional musicians. And the way to do it legally is to get an ASCAP or BMI license. So I own one yep. specifically for virtual. And my use of music in a program is something that also can increase the energy. When you play even three seconds of a well-known song that everybody's into, the energy in the room just changes immediately. And I'm just telling all speakers, that's also something else that you can do is controlling your video, controlling your audio, and that very few people are borrowing the power of music, but you can today. So I want to make sure that this is valuable for especially early stage speakers or people who don't know necessarily much about music. You just mentioned ASCAP. I know there's BMI and CSAC. What should I be looking to do and how do I get an ASCAP, BMI or CSAC license for either in-person or virtual? Yeah, look up those letters right on your internet search, and all of them have a license. You contact them. Right, I'll give you my insiders. And ASCAP, well, again, my goal is the, the ability to play it in paid virtual meetings, and it costs $400 a year. Mm -hmm. And again, to respect the artists, 80% right, of the money goes back to the artists. Right. So I think that's a, a great, and it's unlimited use for that. So it's really based upon how many meetings you have and how long they have and what's the size audience. And all of those things will compute into some kind of number, you know, for a beginning speaker for 400 bucks for a year, for you to change the audience's mood instantly in three seconds, it, to me, that's like a no brainer. That is fantastic. I just want to spell that out so that those who are looking this up can get it. ASCAP, A-S-C-A-P. BMI, BMI, and CSAC, S-E-S-A-C, so that you all can have that. So this is fantastic. My gosh, I think everybody should listen to this episode again because there's a lot of homework <laughs> right, that, that people have. But as we land the plane here, John, we like to have our guests share a question with our audience in order for them to go to our voicemail box and answer that. What is the question that you want to share with our audience today? The question today is, what will you do that you have never done before to be engaging in a virtual or hybrid meeting. I'll say it one more time. What will you do that you have never done before to be engaging in a virtual or hybrid meeting? I look forward to hearing your answers. I love it. We want to hear from you. Send us your thoughts and your responses by going to speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. That's speakernomics.com forward slash voicemail. John, it's been fantastic having you on this show today, my friend. Thank you so much, RK3. If you're in the Northwest, visit us, NSA Northwest. You are now speaking to the president-elect now, RK3. Wow. Love it. Thank you so much. Are you engaged? Are you convinced? Have you been John Chen? I hope you have, because virtual meetings are here to stay. If you haven't embraced them as a part of your business plan yet, it's time to start, because there's a part of the population that will never return to an office or a hotel ballroom. They are your opportunity my friend, and they're hungry. Go feed them. The world needs you. Somebody's out there waiting for you to help them solve a problem. You know, the one that you saw with your message and your voice. This has been another fantastic episode of Speakernomics, the podcast where you learn more about how to speak, get paid, repeat. See you next time.
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.